0: Hi, and welcome to another edition of Pull Yourself Together with Eshaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa, and I'm Jessica, and we hope you have had a
1: lovely two weeks since we last spoke with you. Absolutely, hope your life is going well. Um, mm-hmm. If you're homeschooling, good luck with all that. <laughs> Godspeed, and if, <laughs> if if your your um, offspring have actually gone.
0: Out into the wilds of school. Good luck with that as well. Yes, so stay safe out there, everybody. Yeah. Well, Jessica is <clears throat> actually getting ready to take her youngest son to college. It's true. We are road tripping it because
1: <laughs> the school that he is attending uh, preferred that we drive up in a family pod after two weeks of isolating. And um, so that's what we're going to do. So we are on our way to Vermont. It's that's very exciting. Some
0: up close and personal family time.
1: (laughs) It is. Nothing like 13 hours in the car the first day and 8 the second to bond. True enough. Because we haven't really spent enough family time recently. Right. You know?
0: It's entirely possible that only two will make it. (laughs) I don't know. We're pretty easygoing. so the Hunger Games. I think we'll be okay. (laughs) The
1: only scary part is having to stop along the way. True enough. Yeah. Everyone's going to be super dehydrated
0: by the time we get there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Put on your adult diapers <clears> and go.
1: <laughs> Ew. Ew. Okay. But we digress. Yes. So.
0: Okay. So what what have you been reading, Jessica? Oh, my gosh. Well, 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 well.
1: I just finished listening to Carl Hyacinth's new book, Squeeze Me, that comes out this week, I believe, on Tuesday. Yeah, it Tuesday. comes out Tuesday, and we have signed copies. Yes. And um, I, it was my book that I needed just as a fun read, and- um And yes, yes, it was. It was (laughs) a lot of fun. If you're familiar with Carl Hyacinth, he always writes about Florida and its weird quirkiness. And
0: It always, if I remember correctly, it always comes from a snippet in the news. Like he always finds a a weird news story and then builds from there.
1: So this one involves an invasive species that is in the Everglades but has suddenly made its way to what we're calling... Not Mar-a-Lago, but Casa Bellicoso, Mm. Mm -hmm. where the commander-in-chief has his winter White House. Now, if you are a big Trump fan, this is absolutely not the book for you. He, um, He doesn't pull a lot of punches in how he feels about our current leader. Um, so, but he does have a lot of fun with it. The first lady is also in there. Her, um, s- her security name is Mockingbird. Mm. His is Mastodon. <laughs> and, um, and there's a group of women followers called the Potussis. <clears throat> <That's And>, uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Um, their average age is 71.3 mm. and they are big fans of, uh, of the Commander-in-Chief. And so one of them goes missing, <clears throat> and then... I'm sorry, I've got a little tickle in my throat. So <laughs> one of them goes missing, and then um, we spend the rest of the book trying to figure out exactly what happened. And it seems like it's straightforward, but as in all of his books, it's not as straightforward as it seems. Mm-hmm. So... There are um, all kinds of hijack jinx, and um, I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Very good. If you're not a fan of large snakes, you might find parts of this book uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I am not a fan of large snakes, nor am I a fan of most of the invasive species in Florida, and the fact that they're pushing ever further mm. north. Um, this won't make you feel good about that. Well, okay, then I need to maybe <clears throat> not maybe, but, but maybe not it, dip
1: into it that. It has <laughs> many other redeeming qualities. So, and I listen to it on Libro FM and I'm going to say it is a good listen. Okay. Um, so if you're going on a road trip and you need something that is not going to be so diverting that you, you know, completely lose track of where you are, but you need something that keeps your interest and is funny and you have a good laugh, this is definitely the book for you.
0: All right. <clears throat> what about you, Melissa? Well, um, I'm going to start with something completely different from that, okay. um, as I normally do. Um, so, I let's see. It was last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica and I got together to watch a um, Zoom presentation that Macmillan uh, Books put on that was a celebration of Jane Austen. So, it was... Moderated by an English professor from Arizona State University. Yes. And it was four different authors who have written books that are either inspired by Jane Austen or are. continuations or a retelling of Jane Austen. So there was Natalie Jenner who wrote the Jane Austen Society, which Jessica and I have both raved about on here before. Yes, and highly, um, highly recommend. Yes. Um, there was a um, historian who was a presenter on the BBC who wrote a book called uh, Jane Austen at Home. It was a biography of Jane Austen. By the way, when I grow up, I would like to be this woman because she was fabulous. She was fabulous. (laughs) She
1: claimed that she was disorganized, but I could not see that in her appearance or bookshelves behind her
0: in any way. No, she was extremely fastidious and British and just...
1: Beautifully put together. Yes,
0: I I was a little jealous. Um, And her name was Lucy... Woodsley I want to say. Yes. Um and then there uh was um a woman named Rachel Cohen who wrote a memoir called Austin Years. And that is the book that I've been currently reading. Mm-hmm. Um and then Jessica's going to tell you a little bit about the fourth one. Yes. Um so Austin Years is like I said a memoir. Um, and so She is an academic. She's been a professor. Um, She read Jane Austen all of her books um, initially when she was a teenager and read them all very quickly, started with Pride and Prejudice and then Mm -hmm. read everything else. And then she said she never went back to Jane Austen. She just never felt a draw to it, which... I don't understand, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gets to a point in her life where her dad is—her dad had been diagnosed with cancer, um, and he had gone through treatment, and then has a recurrence of the cancer, and they—they they know that he is going to pass away in the not too distant future, and so she starts rereading Jane Austen um, during this time period and that's all she reads during these years when this is happening Um, and she is um, changing jobs she has two children she uh, marries a man um, that she has pretty much been in love with ever since she started college but mm-hmm. the things were never right for them they were always on and off um so she's got a lot of stuff going on in her life and the one constant in it is that that she's reading Jane Austen and she's reading snippets of Jane Austen sometimes she'll just pick it up and start in like the third volume of a oh. book or she'll read like just specific scenes from it but she's read all of them through multiple times and then mm-hmm. goes back to things in. The book is interesting because the way it's written is very, um, it's not stream of consciousness, but it kind of goes in and out of different things. So it's like you've got her talking about um, what's going on in her life. Then she s- draws a comparison from what's going on to her in her life to something that went on in Jane Austen's life. And then she talks about the plot line of each of Jane's novels. And then she also talks about things that were going on in the world at the time that the novel was written and what mm-hmm. Jane Austen might have been reading at the time. So it just dips in and out of all of these things. So you, you, you've you mentioned a couple of times that this is a little bit more academic. than It is. It is. And I think that's <clears throat> simply because... She is an academic. Both of her parents were academic. She's mm-hmm. married to an academic. She comes from a very cerebral family. Um, uh, her both her parents were academic writers as well as professors. So it's just her husband taught at Harvard. You know, these are so these are so, intelligent yeah. people. Um, well, this is just an everyday conversation for her. Then, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it was while she she met up with a friend. Um, and they were taking a walk in the woods, and she was telling her about these little kind of snippets of essays she was sort of writing about Jane Austen, but she wasn't mm-hmm. really connecting with things. And then that's where this book came out of, as well, these little sort of essay ideas that she put together. Um, it's really, really good. Um, it is taking me a long time to read it. I normally devour books, and this one is taking me a little while. Because it is, in fact, so cerebral. And it has super tiny, tiny print. <laughs> Just really tiny print. <laughs> um, I really look forward to reading it. I, um, my, when I get
1: back from my journey and finish my upcoming reading load for <laughs> multiple book clubs. For groups, all the book clubs. <laughs> for all the book clubs. Then I think I'll dive into that one. But, yeah. um, well, another author mm-hmm. uh, that we saw was Janice Hadlow. hmm and um, she's written a book called The Other Bennett Sister. And I know that there have been books about Mary Bennett written before. This is the first one I've really ventured into. I'm listening to it, and I I just love it. And I, um, I feel, you know, this is really filling a lot of the blanks for Mary. I've read a couple of different books about... Um, sort of the continuation of the story and mm-hmm. minor characters in Jane Austen where their stories are brought together. And um, this, this is just filling out Mary in a, an ideal way for me so far. Even in the Pemberley Chronicles, Mary doesn't get much time.
0: Well, and it's like, we talked <clears throat> about this a little bit the other day about how Jane Austen's sort of secondary characters, mm-hmm. she doesn't really generally flesh them out. Right, a lot. Like they, it, you hear a lot about the main characters, and and Pride and Prejudice is Elizabeth's story, and Jane's by association with Elizabeth because they're yeah. such and th- they're f- they're such close sisters.
1: Their f- their family dynamics to some degree, um, so that we understand why Lydia is Lydia and mm-hmm. why Kitty is Kitty, but but really the middle child, poor poor Mary, just doesn't into the narrative that much. She's and kind
0: of the beige of the Bennett sisters. <laughs> she is. And
1: um, I don't want to give too much of this away because... Because um, she
0: knows I'm going to read it and I'll be I upset.
1: <laughs> and, and it'll spoil it. But, but Mary does have an interesting backstory in this book. She is um, really the only plain one of the sisters. And Lizzie and Jane, when they're... And this is all in the very beginning mm-hmm. of the book. When Lizzie and Jane are young and then Mary's born... They all hang out together, and they're friendly, and um, she has camaraderie with them, but then her mother starts picking on her just the minute it, it's plain that she's going to be plain. Mm-hmm. And Lizzie and Jane are so close in age that they form a friendship, and they're interested in other things. And then when Lydia, when Kitty and Lydia are born, she thinks, oh, I'll be the you know caregiver and champion of the younger girls, but... Lydia is so determined to have everything her way that she just immediately from toddlerhood latches onto Kitty and won't let go. And so she's just in the middle and doesn't have anyone in the family that is really kind or friendly to her.
0: I think that's really interesting that she goes back to their childhood because Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it, and Mansfield Park is the only book where you see a protagonist in a Jane Austen novel as a child and you see mm-hmm. Fanny Price as a child very briefly in Mansfield Park but right. you but you don't you see everyone once they're grown up and interesting yes. yes
1: and um part of it can be you know just going back to most children were not as infants or toddlers raised in their home they were raised they were farmed out into the village where people would Basically, wet nurse them, potty train them, get them cleaned up, and then... Or they had
0: a governess that, that- just kept them away from the family, mm-hmm. except for occasionally bringing them out up, paraded for guests.
1: Yes, and, mm-hmm. and but Austin's siblings and herself even were farmed out like this when they were infants, um, so you don't really meet in until they're sort of, I would guess, two to three years old when they start interacting more with the family, Um But this does go all the way back to when each one is born and, well, not Lizzie and Jane because they're the older ones, but, and sort of a history of the family. So you get a little bit of Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett and um, no surprise, they're disappointing parents in many ways. I mean, they're not, they don't beat them or starve them, but there is a sort of benign neglect that goes on and especially of Mary and her mother is openly hostile to her as if her looks are completely
0: her fault. Well, and I, it's one of the things they talk about in Pride and Prejudice is that they weren't even educated in a manner that he they know that they haven't provided for them financially mm-hmm. that they really the only thing they can bank on is the possibility of marrying well and if they don't there's not even anything they can do to better themselves because they can't even work as a governess at that point. Well,
1: this goes into some of that and a lot of it rests on Miss Bennett's views of what a woman should be. And um <clears throat> she definitely believes that an, an overly educated woman, a blue stocking or such is just not anything that you would desire, not anything that any man would want. Um I think Mr Bennett would contradict that were he given a chance to speak, or if he did
0: But... Or if he had a redo button. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, So what she values is what has done well for her, which is a pretty face and a vivacious personality. Mm -hmm. And Mary has neither of those things. And she has an intellect, but again, it's never really fostered by either one of her parents. Her father lets her use the library, but... She has no direction. She has no direction, and he no. doesn't give her any. And, and, and none of her sisters... Lizzie is the only one in the book who thus far is even kind of kind to her. Mm-hmm. And she has a sweet relationship with Hill. Um, oh, Hill. Hill, there's just... Well, uh, now that I've
0: read some, some backstory on Hill, there's so much more to Hill. Well, so that's a good segue mm-hmm. to let you all know... Um, we are starting a new book club we at the are. store. That's well, very um, exciting. It is going to be the Jane Austen Book Club. We had some requests, and mm-hmm. we are more than happy to talk about Jane Austen and mm-hmm. Jane Austen-related books, as you all know. So starting in October, um, actually October 20th is the first meeting. It's going to be virtual on Zoom, and we're going to be reading Longborn by Joe Baker. So I will finally read it, and Jessica will finally stop giving me crap about not having a <laughs> that is true. just so we can talk about it
1: <laughs> yeah so because um in Longbourn it's the below stairs version of um of Pride and Prejudice and the backstories on The Servants are very interesting yeah. and there's just so much more going on and it, I you know I know some people don't care for this kind of intellectual fan fiction but um if it's well done, I think it, it can be wonderful. And I really appreciate um the other Bennett sister, Longborn, Kimberly Chronicles. I
0: I mean, I feel like if it's well done, it gives me a another way to kind of immerse myself in a world that I really love. And so I think if it's done as an homage and treated well, like there's nothing wrong with that. No. There's not. Although I
1: did rewatch Austin Land the other night. <laughs> I
0: love Austin Land. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was so much fun. I had forgotten there was actually some substance to the story, which oh, there is. Well, I mean, you, you know, know a little bit light <laughs>
0: substance, but oh, wow. um, but anyway. Yeah. So the the Jane Austen book club is going yes. to be. Books by, about, and inspired by Jane Austen. So, and with the occasional Austen novel thrown in. Yeah, so we're we're just going to see where the wind takes us. And uh, and we're going to have fun with yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to have fun. So if you are interested in that, um, just shoot us an email at eShavers and we'll make sure you get the yes. Zoom information. And you can find it on our website. Mm-hmm. It's on our event calendar, eShaverBooks.com.
1: So the book I was talking about is The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hardlow,
0: yes. Hadlow, sorry. Hadlow. Hadlow. Hadlow, yes. Okay. Um, So I also read recently, this one is coming out um, September 1st. It is the middle grade book by Lev Grossman, who is Uh best known for the Magicians trilogy, um, which is an adult um, fantasy trilogy, which is sort of like... A takeoff on Harry Potter, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made a TV show of it. Um, it's it's fairly popular, so most people probably know who he is. But this book um, is his middle grade debut, and it's called *The Silver Arrow*. So, my elevator pitch for this book is: If *Charlie and the Chocolate Factory* happened on the Polar Express, with a little touch of heavy-handed environmentalism. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, basically, we meet Kate on, her, on the eve of her 11th birthday,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she has, apparently, a rich Uncle Herbert who her parents don't really have anything to do with. They think he is incredibly lazy, and he doesn't use his money well. And Kate is bored, and so she decides... To get out of her boredom, she's going to randomly write a letter to her uncle that she has no contact with saying, Hey, it's my birthday. You should probably get me something. X's and O's, Kate. (laughs) That's a paraphrase, but... (laughs) Be careful of what you ask for. Yes. So, Uncle Herbert shows up with a gift. Mm -hmm. And the gift is a steam engine called the Silver Arrow. So... Kate is exploring the steam engine with her little brother, Tom, Mm -hmm. and the steam engine decides to take off. Okay. And so they go on an adventure, um, and in the vein of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the children who are maybe a little bit difficult learn some lessons, Mm -hmm. um, and... There's a there's a bigger theme about environmentalism in the book, which I'm not going to okay. explain how that comes into being because I don't want to ruin it for people who who are going to read it. So, but so they go to the rainforest instead of um they go all over the place. Okay. Um, this train can go across <clears throat> water. This train wow. can go up and down mountains. And yeah. does it go over water? or Does it go underwater? It does both. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. so so yeah, so that'll be out September 1st. All right, something
1: to look forward to.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, talking about um,
1: ecology and uh, being maybe a little bit heavy-handed, although really not terribly heavy-handed, there's a book called Migrations, which just came out. Mm -hmm. It's on the Indie's next bestseller list. It's by Charlotte McConaughey, and... Um, we went to a dinner with her Mm -hmm. that Macmillan put on. I'm not using the words well today, sorry, (laughs) that Macmillan put on, and um, they gave us little snippets of all the books from all the authors that were going to be there, and this I had about 50 pages of, and it was not enough, but I got completely into the book and loved it, and then I got this great autographed coffee from her, um, which Federal Express lost, and so I kind of forgot about the book because I had had a wonderful conversation with her about, you know, um, the book starts out, um, uh, it's, it's a little bleak. The main character, um, Fanny Stone, is sort of a wanderer, and she has been um, doing scientific research on the last Arctic terns that are about to make their last migration. And the book moves backwards and forwards in time, so it starts out there, and then you find out that she had grown up in Ireland, and then you find out that she had lost her family, and then she. So it takes place all over the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we really meet her, she is arrives in Greenland, and she is um, determined that she's going to get on a boat and follow the Arctic Turns down to South America, where they migrate. And so she convinces um, the captain of this boat that if he follows the flock, they'll be following the fish. Because there's also no... F- this is set um, in the future, maybe 30 years, 30 okay. or 40 years. And um, so they they finally come to an agreement, and she gets on the boat and goes. And as the story goes forward, you find out that there's just... Um, A lot more going on in her life. And she has a lot of secrets. She has a really bad issue with night terrors. And I can't give too much away because I don't want to ruin it. There's a wonderful review of it in the New Yorker. I haven't finished it because um, I kind of put it out of my mind when the book was lost and I was so bitterly disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then when I saw it on our shelves, I was like, oh, that book, I have to read that book. So I, I really have just picked it up, and I'm going to finish it now. Um, but the writing is beautiful. Mm-hmm. She has a um, sort of lyrical, uh, haunting prose, um, which sounds... Like something off of a bad book jacket, but <laughs> but it really is. It's 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 beautifully written. Um, it really paints a visceral picture of what's going on. So is it slightly
0: speculative?
1: It is slightly speculative. Okay. Yes, it is slightly speculative fiction. Um, I think the everything is used as a metaphor for something else going on in her life okay. as well. So, um, but it all links together beautifully okay and if you do, it does it does go back and forward in time in little snippets almost little essays um and that's how you get to know her but I feel like that's kind of how life works you know when you're um as you get to know someone there's this sort of slow build of mm-hmm. of their memories and and what they're willing to share and and that's the way this book is it unfolds like that interesting okay so migrations by charlotte mcconaughey mm-hmm. and yeah, highly recommend it.
0: Very good. All right. Um. So I've talked about my postal book club on here before. Um, so the one that I do that's not themed where it's just like three of us and we just each pick a book for the round and send it around. So I had picked a book for my um, my pick this round and I'm not going to say what book it was, but I was very (laughs) bitterly disappointed in it and I absolutely hated it. Like I finished it, but like I got to the end of it and I was like, I am not sending this to them. I'm not going to (laughs) make them do that.
1: Uh, So, so every now and again, (laughs) Melissa and I will read books that we don't care for, and we just don't talk about those as much on this because there's just no reason
0: for well, that. Well, and, and just because I didn't like it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't mm-hmm. going to like it. So I don't want to put that out and, and give you preconceived notions about things. I, I like for people to, to draw their own conclusions. Yes. Um, but... Um, the, so I ended up picking a book um, that I had an advanced reader copy of. Um, it's coming out in October, on October 20th, and it's by an author who, um, for this particular Postal Book Club, we've read other books by her, mm-hmm. so I know that we all liked her, so this was kind of safe ground. <laughs> um, so the author is Ashley Poston, and she writes young adult books. Um, so she has a series, and this the first book that I uh read by her was geekerella um oh uh, yes and so i met her at a conference um and she is from charleston south carolina Mm -hmm. um and she was at seba i believe and it was the first seba that i went to it was the one that was in savannah like right across the street from the store um and she was just very very sweet and the book is super fun it's like um at, like, a science fiction and fantasy convention, and it's almost kind of a retelling of, like, um, I think it's, like, Beauty and the Beast is... um, Or Cinderella. And then she's got Bookish and the Beast and then the princess and the fangirl. But anyway, so she she draws on fairy tales, but it's, Mm -hmm. like, set in the convention world. And then she's got another, like, a sci-fi duology that's Heart of Iron, and that was almost like Anastasia in Space. Okay. Um, so those were really fun. And so I, I knew that this was this was gonna be okay. So this one is called Among the Beasts and Briars, and it's really her first fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that if you've read Uprooted by Naomi Novik, it's similar. Um, mm-hmm. it has a similar sort of feeling. So um the main character's name is Cirrus, and she is the Daughter of the gardener to the royal family. Um, and she, because she has interaction with the royal family, she's best friends with the princess mm-hmm. um, who, is, when we meet Cirrus, she's going to her coronation to become queen because the king has passed away. Um, you find out that... Um, Arwen, who's the princess, Mm -hmm. had a brother who was a little bit older than her, um, and they all had gone into the woods that you're not supposed to go into, and the brother and his guard get lost in the woods and fall to the wood curse, and, um, mother had gone into the woods to try and find them, and she also loses her mother. Oh, boy. Um. And strangely, as a result of that, Cirrus has a little bit of magic, which you're not supposed to have, and she can make things grow with her blood. So it's like a drop of blood and, like, flowers will grow, or if she cuts herself and touches, like, a tree, like, trees will shoot up. And mm-hmm. so she's incredibly powerful magically, but she has to keep it hidden because you're not supposed to have this magic. Mm-hmm. So... She goes to the coronation and things go terribly terribly wrong. She doesn't wear gloves, I'm guessing. No, no, she doesn't do anything. Okay. Um these uh cursed people come out of the wood and oh. then all these seeds start coming out and curses everyone at the coronation. Oh, so no. She and her trusty friend, who's a fox, who <laughs> she has this fox that hangs around with her. Um, why wouldn't you? Yeah, you know, why wouldn't you? I know. Um, they have to go on a quest to try and break the wood curse, basically, oh. um, and keep the crown of their kingdom away from the wood cursed people. Okay, so um, it's just—it's just a fun immerse yourself fantasy story mm-hmm. um it it draws on you know the staying away from the evil woods that's so, such a thing in fa- fairy tales when you're
1: told to stay away from the evil woods there's a reason there's a reason you're told yes yeah.
0: so what age group would this um it would be you know it's it's young adult but there's nothing in it that's Mm -hmm. inappropriate um so i would say if you have a precocious a precocious reader at like nine and ten this Mm -hmm. would be fine like there's nothing
1: that's i wish we could have a section in young adult that's like clean young adult
0: they actually um they do tag Mm -hmm. those in like catalogs and stuff like specifically like they do
1: like on graphic novels put a little Tag on the back, yeah, for the more advanced
0: ones, mature audience only, and yeah, because it well, because it's a, it's a fine line with kids and and reading level because everybody mm-hmm. always is like, well, my kid reads on a much higher level, and it's like, <clears throat> yes, that's fine, but, but the subject matter of a lot of young adult books is not appropriate for a nine year old child. Yeah, for
1: an usually it's the eight to eleven year olds mm-hmm. that. People want to jump into the young adult world, and yeah, we have a lot of trouble with this because we want to recommend the perfect book for someone, but you have to ask a lot of questions because not only are the children not ready for it, the parents may not be comfortable with their child reading this kind of content. Yeah. And some of the content, you need to have discussions at home before, because they're just not going to have any context, um, hopefully.
0: Well, you never know, (laughs) but, but yeah, so that it does make it a little more difficult when you've got the precocious readers, but this Mm -hmm. one is perfectly fine for, um, an advanced middle grade reader. So (laughs) it's among the Beasts and Briars, it's Ashley Poston and it is, um, October 20th.
1: All right. So I, um, this is an author I love that I'm going to talk about next, but I am I am not always clear on how to pronounce his name. And so I, I pulled up a little click and listen to the pronunciation. <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and do that. And, and we'll go from there. We'll go from there. Kazuro Ishiguro. So Kazuro Ishiguro, <laughs> um, Never Let Me Go, is the book I'm going to talk about. Although you'll be familiar with him for winning... Um, the Nobel Prize yeah, the Nobel. for Remains of the Day he's one of my favorite writers and I'm so I've never talked about him before um I guess I just haven't gotten to him yet um <laughs> but I started reading him quite a while ago when I read Remains of the Day which on its surface seems like it's just going to be your typical sort of British Butler novel but there's so much more to it um there's just so much more to it. And it's, it's a lovely book, and it's about more than just uh, this one man's journey, although it is about his journey as well. Um, but Never Let Me Go is a, is a different, completely different book from The Remains of the Day. It is, on its surface, it starts out in a British boarding school, and you meet um, these friends, Kathy, Ruth, and Tommy, who are at Hailsham, and it's this exclusive boarding school, and they're all young and having fun and, you know, beautiful and bright young things. But there's more going on than you realize. And as you get further into the book and all these kind of bizarre rules that they have and um, how they're told how special they are, you find out that there's a very, very, very disturbing and dark undertone Um they meet up again later on after they know what their future is going to be. And I'm, I'm not going to share any more of it because if you have not read it or seen the movie, you need to, you need to find it out <laughs> slowly over the course of the book. Um, but their futures are not necessarily as bright as you would think from the beginning of the book. Um, and... I'm trying very hard not to give too much away (laughs) because there are things in there that I want to talk about, but it's a beautifully written book. If you like his writing, um, this will not disappoint. And it takes on some issues that are social issues that are worth thinking about. Um, I, this is one of those books that I come back to and think of often. It's haunting. The premise of it is haunting and disturbing. Um, There is a love story in it, but everything in it is tainted by their purpose in life. Okay. Um, So I would highly recommend it. I don't know whether to tell you to watch the movie or read the book first. Um, I normally would say read the book first, but... um,
0: If you're like me, I'm... I might be a weirdo, but I don't mind knowing how movies end before I see a movie, right. but I really am bugged knowing how a book ends before I read a book, like because I'm investing more time in it generally.
1: Um, because I am not great at suspense, and I get very... Um, I kind of inhabit the world.
0: Jessica likes to flip to the back of the book and read what happens before she finishes.
1: Because I get so <laughs> worried and upset about the... Um, About the characters. She's a cheater. (laughs) No. No, I I just don't handle suspense well. It's it's a flaw. I admit it. (laughs) Most people really like the ride and the build, but I get so anxious that I, I will either stay up all night reading the book to get to the end, or I just have to know, prepare myself one way or another. I love their journey. I go back and read the rest of the book. I just need to know how it's going to end because I can't... I just can't bear it.
0: You're so weird. (laughs) I
1: know. It's true. It's true. I do... Well, you know, I do... um, For those of us who read a lot and have read a lot all our lives, you do inhabit the world. Um, At least I do. I find reading to be a very immersive um, exercise. And so I I do live with a foot in this imaginary world. And um, it can color the rest of my life as to what's going on Um, All right, yeah fair enough
0: (laughs) well to close out um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is the book that um, I read this month for our science fiction and fantasy book club Um, and it is called A Memory Called Empire and it's by Arcady Martine it actually just won the Hugo Award um, this year for best science fiction novel um so initially when I was going through and picking books out for the next kind of round of the science fiction mm-hmm. book club um I went through a lot of um lists for like best sci-fi for the past couple years and you know and I like to alternate back and forth between like sci-fi and fantasy each month and this one was very widely praised and was on a bunch of the best lists um and it actually I was drawn to it because um the author is a scholar of Byzantine history and drew a lot from the Byzantine Empire to write this science fiction novel. And I thought, that's interesting. It is interesting. Um, And it even gets more interesting than that. She actually, um, in addition to being a Byzantine scholar, is actually a scholar of the Aztecs as well and uses... um, Aztec um, naming conventions in the book um, she is also a city planner so there's a lot of stuff in it about kind of the layout of the city of this empire interesting um, it is really interesting because um, Byzantine and Aztec very different very different yes yeah so it the book starts out um, the main character is a young woman and she is now going to be the new ambassador to the Empire. And she is from a and she's from a space station. Mm-hmm. so they're they're out kind of in the reaches of space and um, they're not really part of this giant empire um, and they're kind of in between where the Empire reaches and where they would like to reach. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have this interesting technology, um, and it's specific to this space station, where they have a little implant that goes at your brain stem. And so she gets this implant that has the... um, Almost consciousness and memories of the prior ambassador. Okay. So it helps them kind of retain all these knowledge just from like lines of people. Mm-hmm. And so he was the first ambassador to the empire. So hit the line is only him. But they have like pilots that have like 15 different people. So that you, it adds on to the consciousness each time. So the next person who gets it in that line has all that accumulated knowledge.
1: Well, it, it's well. Yeah, it's like having a book implanted, old kind of.
0: Kind of, but they can initially when it she she's just had the implant put in, and you would have to have your, usually like a year mm-hmm. to kind of fully integrate with it. She has two months, okay. um, so they're not fully integrated at this point, but she can hear it like talking in her head, like responding to her. And it can actually move her arms and it causes like endocrine responses in her. And that's, I don't know. Hmm. It's, it's really interesting. Like I, it's like having a second personality almost inside Mm -hmm. of you.
1: So kind of uh, purposeful schizophrenia.
0: Yes. Um, and so she is has been made ambassador because the previous ambassador has passed away. Mm-hmm. But the implant that she has is not up to date, like because he hasn't returned back to the space station uh-uh. for like 15 years. So she has an earlier version of him basically. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the empire and is trying to fulfill this post. And there's political intrigue. Um, The previous ambassador has died from a food allergy
1: is what
0: they're saying, but she doesn't believe that that was an accident. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also a possible alien threat. There's possibly a coup that's going to happen. Um, there's a lot going on. So I think this one is supposed to be the first in a trilogy. I believe, mm-hmm. um, the second book in it comes out in September, if I have that correct.
1: Um, roughly how
0: many pages is this guy? <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Yeah. It's, um, it's a commitment. It's about 500 pages. Oh, okay. Um, and there's a huge glossary in the back of terms. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, she also spent a lot of time with the linguistics of the language, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of focus on language and a lot of focus on poetry and the intricacies of poetry. Well, and
1: that's kind of a, a Tolkien-esque thing, there. Yeah. Um, so the the um, and I only say that that way because Melissa and I often have differing opinions on the Tolkien. <laughs>
0: Yes. I, I'm not his biggest fan. Love me, the Hobbit, but I'm good. <laughs> um, but it's it doesn't have like in Lord of the Rings, it doesn't have like the big breaks where there's poems in okay. it. Um, it's just there the um, the Empire, the way they express things is lots of times in poetry or the language is metaphorical and mm-hmm. not straightforward straightforward um so she has this cultural attache basically that's attached to her to help her navigate to the turn language. it into prose clear yeah. clean prose <laughs> yeah. yeah um so it's an interesting um it's an interesting science fiction book um especially one that's uh described as a space opera mm-hmm. i i just it had a completely different feel for me than what I would think of as a space opera. Um, I'm actually uh, after I finished it, I was kind of um, not sure about it winning mm-hmm. the Hugo Award um, because there are some there are some little plot holy kind of mm-hmm. things in there that I feel like she was kind of more interested in the language and the linguistics aspect and the like building the, of the world, building of the world to, to the characters. Getting, well, getting the plot a hundred percent,
1: maybe, maybe in the next one,
0: it's possible, but I, I don't know. And mm-hmm. I mean, some of it was just like little things that there was just kind of like continuity errors almost. Yeah.
1: I I'm convinced. And I, I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm convinced that maybe other people don't notice that as much as we do sometimes because you know it's the kind of thing that drives me crazy in books when there's a um, an issue with um, a phrase that wouldn't be used. There's an anachronism. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that it bothers people as much as it bothers
0: me. I will say all of us in the book club had noticed, noticed that. Okay. So it is... It was it's, pretty glaring. It is pretty glaring, Um, but I don't think it necessarily detracts from take you out of the world completely no no I don't think it does um it's just the kind of thing like for me I find that problematic but I mean it's you know yeah
1: but it's it's not big enough that it ruins
0: no no and um
1: for me it's when it takes me out of the story where I'm in the world and suddenly I'm like oh wait a minute That would never happen.
0: The biggest thing for me with this one was kind of the naming convention of the people in the empire because Mm -hmm. it's like their name is two different parts. And so the first part is a number Mm -hmm. and then the second part is a noun. So like, it's like... um, 500 fish? Yeah, or like 16 helicopter or like... Yeah, that is... That's a difficult... yeah. Yeah, and... There was only one instance where I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cute. Um, there's a person that has a ch- a little child, and the child I think is like three or four years old, and mm-hmm. their name is like two cartographer, and they she calls him Map as okay. a nickname, and I was like, "Well, that's adorable
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um but i I wonder if you read it long enough if you get into the flow of that because I find with Russian names when I'm reading the Russians that it it's like reading Shakespeare. It takes my mind a minute to get into that mindset and then it flows
0: pretty smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was still something that I like, once I got to the end of it, I still just kind of like stumbled over it each time. I don't know if if I would eventually, maybe by book three, you'll be there. Possibly. Possibly. (laughs) I I don't know. But, um, all that aside, um, I, it is a really interesting book with a lot of um, drawing from a lot of like different things and putting them together in a way that I wouldn't have expected. Interesting. Well, it sounds fascinating and she sounds fascinating. The author. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: she's, She's no, pretty smart. Have, she's got some stuff going on. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to have dinner with her
0: someday. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> when we can ever have dinner with, with anyone. anybody ever, again, that's <laughs> not in our COVID circle.
1: <laughs> this is true. You make a point. Um, I am going to briefly mention one other book that I had started a while ago and talked about, but I just recently finished it, and that's Death in Her Hands oh. um, by Otessa, <laughs> and I, her last name, I just, um, Mosh Teeth. Um, but, so I love her writing. Her writing is really good. And she is dark and interesting. And this book, um, I'm going to say I didn't enjoy it quite as much as My Year of Rest and Relaxation. It just, in the end, I finished and I told Melissa, I'm like, what? this is not usually what happens to me. But what just happened here? Yeah. So, um So if you've finished this book and you would like to discuss about what just happened here, please (laughs) shoot me an email or visit in the shop. We'll muffled mask talk it out. But um, yeah, the ending was... um, It was was the end of the book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's all I can say say about about that. that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) um, But the writing... In the book is excellent. And and the main character, I mean, none of her characters are usually particularly likable. Yeah. And this is one of those characters. She, um, the way she thinks about people, she's very judgy. She's very much like almost Flannery O'Connor's character in um, Revelation. I mean, she's got a dialogue going on. If someone's overweight, if someone doesn't dress properly, if they haven't cut their hair, all of that is, She's she's judging all of that.
0: Um, right. You're saying that like that's a bad, bad thing. thing? <laughs> okay, well, does not everybody have that internal log? <laughs> yeah, probably so, but she's
1: pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, you you know that I have that internal. Dialogue. I do. <laughs> yes. Um, but it is it is worth it, it's worth if you like her writing. People compared it to. Um, the one I really like, uh, drive your <laughs> plow over the bones of the dead. <laughs> he compared it to that book <laughs> uh, no, that, um, has a very Eastern European flavor to it. Um, yeah. Uh, but I would say it, it is like that book very much in feel and tone. It's just in the, at the ending of both books, I was satisfied, um, With drive your plow over the bones of the dead, and at the end of this one, I'm still trying to puzzle out um, uh, what went wrong, or what What, happened, or what went wrong. wrong. (laughs) What went
0: wrong? Either with me, or (laughs) (laughs) what pinged in my brain. Yes.
1: So, um, I wouldn't. I would. and it was interesting. I went through Goodreads, which I normally don't do, and I read all kinds of reviews on it. So I read five-star reviews and two-star reviews and one-star review. And it was a general consensus that the writing is amazing. Um, she's an amazing author. But,
0: but what just happened there? Yeah.
1: So, And if you don't mind that,
0: then
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yes.
0: Well, so we will be back in two weeks, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have a special guest. It's going to be Jess, who is one of our uh, Random House uh, reps. Yes. And um, she's going to be talking about books from her fall list, um, like Jeff, our Macmillan rep, just did. Mm -hmm. And we also have a homework assignment that she has given us. Yes. Um, And I'm,
1: I'm excited. It's kind of a our mystery um mm-hmm. it's a little bit out of our it's not something I think either one of
0: us would normally pick up um
1: but Jess usually if she tells me I'm gonna like a book 99% of the time I like oh she's 100% yeah.
0: right on and I'm not I I'm not gonna talk about this book I'm gonna wait and save it but <laughs> there is one that she has been just like really give it a chance and Jessica and I were both like no that's a terrible cover and she was 100% right I read it and yeah. I loved it. So we'll get so, into that more <laughs> next time. Yes,
1: um, and and yeah, and it's good for us to know every now and again um, that what we necessary, what we look for in a cover may not be what other people are necessarily looking for in a cover. Um, it's true. It's true. Sad, but true.
0: No. Oh, well, not everybody has the same taste we do. Shockingly enough, <laughs> the world would be so dull. <laughs> True enough. Anyway, so we will yes. be back in two weeks. Jessica will be back from the wilds of Vermont. Well, fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> with hopefully a pit stop to see um,
1: Emil in New York and if they'll let us in.
0: And hopefully packing some uh, maple candy from Vermont for this oh, guy. Of
1: course. <laughs> there won't be any maple gummy lobsters that I found
0: up in Prince Edward Island. But yeah, well, that's strangely delicious but it's a it's It's apparently a regional thing (laughs) it is a regional thing when when we're allowed
1: back in canada yes yeah if we could just all just behave ourselves
0: oh well i hope you all are well yes thanks for listening have a lovely rest of your weekend yes or or whenever you're listening to this
1: yes have a lovely time of your life all right
0: bye (laughs) bye